0: We're in a series of episodes right now from the Studebaker Talks, an event we held last fall in collaboration with South Bend City Church to listen to stories about South Bend's people, ingenuity, and progress. And it was a really special night. It was held at City Church's location, which happens to be a former Studebaker factory floor. We had seven speakers, a sold-out crowd of 250 people, and we raised nearly $3,000 for the South Bend Education Foundation. In case you haven't heard, we're doing it again, so save the date, October 7th, 2022, this year, back at Studebaker Building 112. Speaker submissions will be open during the month of May, and early bird tickets will be available sometime this summer. Today, we're hearing from Antonius Northern, who is a public servant in the truest sense of the term. Whether as an activist, artist, resident, or municipal employee, he has a record of bringing goodness into the city. And today... He's focused on helping the city of South Bend foster a more inclusive economy. Enjoy.
1: I don't need to be saved. I don't do that black inferiority shit. So if this is your first time coming, your first day here, this is self-being and black kings live here. Now, y'all have probably heard the story, you know. Activists get a job with the city, get soft. It didn't happen. When I first started, I created a business and I ran it off of goods and services and some donations. Thank you. Now, when I build black equity in my community, we do it with tax dollars. The work that I have been able to do isn't because I cowed down. I took a job firstly in the Department of Community Investment. And then I took another job in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. Because I have one repeating theme in my head. And it's that black folks need respect from the external community and love of self within. Now, back when I was running Empower South Bend, we had this great little concept. It's called the Think Black, Buy Black Market. And during that time, hmm, maybe 20, $30,000 worth of economic activity. But when I got a chance to work with the city, during my first probably six months, I helped the city flip $100,000 into a $1 million in order to support low to moderate income workers who were primarily black or brown or women. But we took it a step further than that. The next go around, we worked with all minority contractors. I spent about, I think we spent about fifty thousand dollars with those folks in dynamics that probably had never existed before. The city does home repair programs, but black contractors wasn't getting no action. After that, we helped to steward about six hundred thousand more dollars of infrastructure building for home repair. Talking lead abatement, making sure that folks would had the skill sets that would be the jobs of the future. And just here recently, well, I should tell y'all about the year of COVID. We only did about $100,000 worth of grants that time. But we were able to make sure that those also directly connected to people who were black and brown and women entrepreneurs. And even presently at this time, We have a budget of about $200,000 that we are pushing towards strengthening minority businesses, women owned businesses. And I think to myself, well, if you put it together like that, you must have had at least one piece of scholarship that you could point to. And I think the one that I, sticks out in my head is what Neely Fuller and Dr. Francis crest Wilson said. If you don't understand racism, everything else will confuse you. And this next story will do that exact same thing to you if you don't understand racism. I was about seven years old. And, you know, I was raised by a strong black men, like many of us were. And my father, he had, a, he had an issue with the way that I was being raised. So he decided that he was going to forcefully remove me from the care of my babysitter. He climbed up a balcony, broke through two French doors, came in, and he called me Junior. He said, Junior, get up. It's time to go. Now, I had just been with my dad earlier, spent the majority of the day with Pops, so I'm wondering why is he standing in my bedroom telling me that it's time to go. I cried because I was so confused, like, Dad, what is we doing? Where are we going? He said, get up. I got up. We went downstairs. Now, I'm on... Shorten the story a little bit, but I'm going to give y'all some key facts. One of those key facts is that I remember my dad's shoes. I remember him taking them off. They was those, those, those black barbecue sandals. You know the ones that look like Jesus' sandals. You know what I'm talking about? But I was seven years old, and I tried to put my foot in that Jesus' sandal, and I remember trying to make sure that I keep them on my feet. As we walked two miles down the street to get to my grandmother's house, I also remember not seeing my daddy limp. He didn't stumble, but he was barefoot. And then when I got tired of walking and slipping and sliding, you know what he did? He picked me up, he put me on his shoulders. My daddy carried me for probably another good mile on his shoulders. We got back to the house. We went downstairs into my grandmother's basement where he and his brother were both staying and where my auntie was staying on the top floor. My baby cousin was staying in the other room. My grandmother had the big house. I mean, it was my grandmama's house, so she had the biggest room upstairs on the top floor. Don't think this was a wealth building scheme. This is just what they had to do. But we went into the room and my, and my dad said, take your clothes off and go lay down. I remember seeing right in the closet the outfit that my daddy had just bought for me earlier that afternoon. I remember him pulling me in close to go to sleep. And I remember the bright flashlight that came into the room shortly thereafter. I remember them grabbing my father and pulling him up the stairs. I remember standing in front of my grandmama house and looking at my daddy in the backseat of the police car going, come on, son. Come with me, son. And I also remember me saying, no, not only to him. But also to the police that asked me to tell the story about what happened that night. And the craziest part about this whole experience is, I remember when that same police officer came to me and said with the biggest grin on his face, I saved your life. Can't save my life from a can't save my life from the man who would have took your life if you even looked at me funny. See, I don't do that black inferiority shit. I love my daddy. And just the idea that that's what we have to go through on a day-to-day basis. But I got a question. What happens to my father? You see, he's no judge, no attorney. They hung him from a tree called economic slavery. Pine needles injecting that leaves left bloody from an evergreen that is never green. Red, like dead debt mortgages survived by a fortunate 500 companies run by men who can barely wipe their own tail, but want to call my mama a welfare queen. Then demand my dad for adequate health care and food stamps. You see, when you're the champ, it ain't called bullying or being picked on. It's called trying to win, live, breathing prosperity. Anyone and everyone in here is entitled to the entitlement, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm talking happy, not hungry, kids. I'm talking profitable, but not fraudulent. But I got a question again. What happens to my father? You see? Well, no, you don't. To disappear, he need to be here from the beginning, maybe benefit from immigrants, ignorance, and stock dividends, and land grabbing, all while screaming, they're giving our country away. As another man works twice as hard for half the pay. Is this your dad? I often viewed fathers differently. Oh, he just started. How is he the supervisor? Oh, he's on salary. So when does he punch in and pick up his schedule for the weekend? Who has work boots that clean? I mean, what happens to my father? Aren't the hours for our rent evidence not is say? Because you can hear me say. This ain't for pardon me's, not for I'm sorry's. No, now is the time for discovery of guilt, death, and servitude for centuries. Let's keep it a hundred about the whole thing. You don't fear my father, you fear me. So, what happens to my father is no longer your problem. I am. If you don't take nothing away, remember that in South Bend, black kings reside.